Hello, and welcome to episode six of An English Prof Reads the Bible. I'm your host, Megan, and in this episode, we're going to talk about Psalm 46. I want to review connections, and I also want to talk a little bit about imagery in order to better understand what this psalm has to say about God's role in suffering and his authority and his centrality in our lives. It occurred to me when I was prepping for this for this episode that so far, a lot of the psalms we've done seem to deal with suffering and how we deal with pain at some level. This is partly because of my personal choice. I pick psalms that I enjoy, and I find that the psalms where the psalmist is wrestling with something difficult are really enriching. It's also partly because of the nature of psalms. They're not history and narration. They're not teaching their poetry, and poetry is about how we make sense of our lives, and we're often prompted to, to try to make sense of our lives through, through pain, and so it's kind of natural that the Psalms, as poetry, would talk at length about how we deal with pain more than a lot of other genres in scripture. So with that said, let's get started. I'm going to go ahead and read the Psalm, and then we'll get underway. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. All right, so let's start with that with that very first verse. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, and here's the important part, we will not fear. The word will is a word of decision, surety. It's being definite about something. If I say, I, I will read the book that you gave me for my birthday, it's indicating a decision. I will, I will definitely get to it, hopefully in the near future. Um, and then the, the idea of not fear implies that while we are determined and certain that we won't be afraid, it implies that fear is warranted. And so this raises two questions for me. One is what's going on here that fear is warranted? And the other one is what role does God play in all of this that will keep us from being afraid? And these two questions are answered with imagery and connections in the psalm. So let's start with the imagery. 
The imagery helps us understand the question, what's going on? And before I get into it, a brief definition of imagery. I tell my students in literature class that imagery is vivid sensory description. It's usually visual description, and that's what we've got here, although it can also uh, be uh, description in terms of what we hear or smell or taste as well. And it's a vivid sensory description that also affects our mood or conveys an idea in some way. A an image should always mean more than itself in some way. So one example is if you're watching uh, a film with a villain in it and the villain comes out wearing a mask, the mask is an image. On one level, it's it's a mask. It's part of his costume. But it's more than just a mask. It conveys this idea of villainy and deviousness and deception. And descript sensory description in Psalms is like that. It's what it is on the page, but it also conveys a deeper idea. And in verses two and three especially, we get a lot of, a whole list of images actually, of destruction. The psalmist says, we will not fear, one, even though the earth be removed, two, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, three, though the waters roar and be troubled, four, though the mountains shake with its swell, with its swelling. And all of these are very destructive images and when we think of the mountains falling into the sea, these are, are clearly visual and it suggests destruction. It suggests a, a, a mood of fear. And because this is a, an image, it's going to mean, sure, it can mean a real cataclysmic flood or earthquake. The psalm could be referring to that. But it's referring to more than that at the same time. So what we want to do is we want to think about the concepts that are associated with these words and with, with this description. When we think about mountains, these are, are stable places. They're places of safety. If you're an ancient tribe, you might hide from your enemies in them. The sea, on the other hand, is noted for being changeable. It's noted for being dangerous. You can drown in it. And this is all the more true because it's described as, as a troubled sea. Uh, the waters roar and are troubled. And so what's going on here is that the psalmist finds himself in this place where he has exchanged safety and security and familiarity for a situation of uncertainty and physical and spiritual danger. At this point, the psalm goes on to answer the question, okay, so we're in this situation of danger. Well, what role does God play in all of this? And this is answered also by imagery, but also answered by connections among the words. If you recall from our last episode, episode 5, connections have to do with similarities or differences or repetition from one passage to another passage to another passage within the text. And so the very first contrast that we see right off the bat here in verse 5 is one of contrast or one of difference. We read, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. I just want to say that's a really beautiful phrasing. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. 
But what I really want you to pay attention to is that phrase, she, the city of God, shall not be moved. Because we have a contrast here between the unmoving holy city and the moving and troubled waters that the psalmist was just describing. And what this contrast suggests is that God provides sure stability. He provides peace even in times of upheaval. But the psalm doesn't end there. It goes on to give us a little bit more information. Because, of course, God is not our security blanket. He doesn't give us warm fuzzies during difficult times. And we get a a bigger picture, a more elaborate picture of God's role by through some of the subsequent imagery and connections in this psalm. So again, another connection is in the second half of the psalm, the psalmist moves from general description to a direct address to the listeners. And the direct address comes from two people. One is God himself, but the first one is the psalmist. The psalmist says, come behold. And God himself says, be still and know. And they're both issuing commands here. And so what is it that we're supposed to behold and know? What are we supposed to know? We're going to fill in our understanding up to this point. And we're going to fill it in with a little bit of imagery here with what the psalmist is describing. Because the psalmist says, come behold, and then he gives us a list of things, again, a list of related imagery. He says, come behold, desolations, behold uh, God's work. He makes wars to cease. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot with fire. All of these are very strong visual images. And because it's an image, it, remember, means more than itself. So they're all images of military victory, but it's more than just military victory. The specific actions described suggests God's Uh, dominance, his power over over human control. It also suggests that this power is absolutely certain. The bow is completely broken. It's not just damaged. It can't be fixed. It's snapped into. The chariot is burnt. It's not just that a wheel has come off. It's, It's gone. There's no hope of recovery. God's supremacy has been established. And the final thing that's worth noting here is that these are all conducive to peace. They're not described in a peaceful way, but if the bow is broken, if the spear is snapped in two, if the chariot is gone, God is ushering in a a time of peace here. And so we've got a little bit of contrast here between God's very decisive and authoritative actions and the peace that he's bringing about through these actions. And what that suggests to me is that we are indeed safe in God, but it's not because God himself is safe. You can think of C.S. Lewis. He's not a tame lion. It's because God is in control that we are safe. If you think back here to God's command, be still, we are being commanded to acknowledge and to rest in God's control. 
And this brings us to the final connection here in this psalm, which is the repeated passage. There's, there's one section that's repeated twice in this passage. And of course, anytime something is repeated, that means it's really important. And so we should pay a lot of attention to it. It's repeated in at the very end of the psalm in verse 11, but it's also repeated before that in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And when we think about the implied meaning of that word refuge, a refuge is someplace that we enter because we acknowledge weakness, because we acknowledge need in our lives, because we acknowledge that we are in a troubled place. And so if we are seeing God as our refuge, then we are acknowledging our own spiritual weakness, our own physical weakness, and we are coming to a place where we rely upon God. Our life up to this point has been in upheaval, and yet because God is completely in control because of his authority and command, we can rest in him. And so this brings me to my application. As usual, I have a spiritual application and a literary application. Spiritually, I think it's worth thinking about how has God proven himself strong to you and how can you rely more on him? Literarily, as you reread this psalm or as you read other psalms or other parts of scripture, it's worth thinking about what images, what strong visual descriptors that you notice, and then what that imagery suggests to you about the bigger picture, what's associated with those images so that way you can see beyond what is, what's described on the page to the bigger meaning. All right, this has been An English Prof Reads the Bible. I'm your host, Megan. We will be back next week. Till then, make sure you subscribe to us and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good week.